Hello there, my name is McNeil and you are listening to the McNeil and Friends Podcast. Here I invite different people to talk about movies. We talk about movies that are currently playing in the theaters and topics related to cinema. If you like this type of content, be sure to follow my podcast on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support my podcast by telling your friends. And if you don't have any, you can tell your family. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? This is my new episode in my series called Movie Screen Quarantine. Due to the world's current circumstances, I'm talking about a wide variety of topics regarding movies in the series. Today, we're talking about upcoming movies, and I thought this would be a fun topic because there are a lot of movies people have been looking forward to seeing. But as we all know, basically every movie has gotten delayed and theaters are shut down, but they are potentially reopening very soon. Anyways, I do have a guest today. I'm here with my friend Tim. He's been on the podcast a couple of times now, so I'm glad to have you back today, man. How's it going? Dude, it's been going good, man. I'm excited about this podcast. Really looking forward to it, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really, really stoked about this one as well. So like I said earlier, uh, Tim and I are talking about upcoming movies, but more specifically, we're going to predict upcoming movies. So we mutually decided on 10 upcoming movies to talk about because we both have movies we're really looking forward to. But we also wanted to pick movies that we think would be most interesting to predict. So naturally, a lot of these are comic book movies, but there are some that aren't necessarily comic book movies. There are some movies coming out that we are looking forward to that would either be nearly impossible to predict or there's just not even enough information to actually attempt to predict the film. So some of the upcoming movies we are excited for are are, uh, Tenet, which is a movie I'm really looking forward to. It's Christopher Nolan's next movie. Wonder Woman 1984, The New Mutants. I feel so bad for that movie. That movie's gotten delayed so many times over the past three years. (laughs) Uh, Dune, that's another one I'm really excited for. Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eternals. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The Matrix 4, kind of a shocking sequel. Uh, The Suicide Squad, Jurassic World, Dominion, Mission Impossible 7, and Mission Impossible 8. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be awesome. Avatar 2. Been waiting on that for a while. Yeah, Avatar 2. That's That's been in a production forever. Um, Black Panther 2, John Wick Chapter 4, and Indiana Jones 5. So those are all the movies we're looking forward to, but we're not going to talk about because a lot of the movies that we are talking about today, we think we have a little bit more information to talk about. So to kick off our predictions, we're going to start with A Quiet Place Part 2. So A Quiet Place Part 2 The original release date for that movie was March 18th, 2020, and its current release date is September 4th, 2020. So this was the movie that, when it was delayed, we all realized that the movie industry was going to change drastically because as soon as A Quiet Place Part 2 was delayed, we realized, oh, that was in like, that was next week. We were supposed to see that next week. And then it got delayed, and then every other movie followed that path, and so... And since then, we haven't really gotten any new movies other than, you know, the occasional Netflix original or Amazon Prime <laughs> yeah. original or whatever. Or early Disney Plus I haven't Plus really paid release. any attention to those. <laughs> yeah, that too, Disney Disney Plus. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I was really excited about this movie. I was about to buy a ticket in advance and it got shut down, got delayed. And at that point, it was indefinite. We didn't know when it was going to be released. But now, September 4th, 2020. So... When I first saw the first A Quiet Place movie, and maybe you had the same thought as well, 
Um, I was a bit skeptical about them making a sequel just because I thought the ending was pretty conclusive. Yeah. What about you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, very definitive because they figured out the weakness and they exploited it. But the only bad part was, dude, now their house was going to be invaded by those creatures like crazy. They're all coming for a big fight. And they yeah. kinda, I mean, you know, Emily Blunt kind of looks and is like, let's go. Um, so, yeah, that's it seems very like conclusive, like they OK, they know how to end it. They know how to finish it. They know how to take care of the monsters. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And real quick, I do want to point out that we are probably going to not probably we are going to talk spoilers for uh, a lot of these movies that came before all these sequels we're about to talk about. And maybe some of our predictions end up being accurate. Maybe some of them don't. So this is going to be a very spoiler-heavy episode. And uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I'm about to start with spoilers right now. So uh, with A Quiet <laughs> get ready, Place... Get ready, the Yeah. So with the first A Quiet Place, um, at the end, John Krasinski makes, or his character, makes a sacrifice uh, to save his family, and he dies. But then you got the trailer, you kind of see that they're kind of doing this um, prelude, kind of, yep. uh, to the first one, but also it's definitely a, a, a sequel at the same time. And I don't know how crazy they're going to try to go with the plot. So at the end of the movie of the first one, you realize that they are about to fight these aliens, like you said. So I'm kind of curious as to why they've left their house. Yeah, they had the dude. Yeah, no, no, you're right. They had like the kind of ultimate bunker and ultimate safe zones for all kinds of stuff. Like they had all these contingents in plan in case an invasion happened. And I think uh, according to the first one, he had written down that there were only like three within their radius or whatever he was kind of tracking. Yeah. And they had kind of seen them um, in, in, you know, even when he sacrificed himself, too. So he knew where they were. And then after they had taken out that one, you know, the, I, the only guess could be that obviously since a horde of them just decided to come and invade, um, that's the only way they had to. They had. They were forced to leave because there's no way. It was just overwhelming. They couldn't take them all out at the same yeah. time. It's too much to take care of. Yeah, that's definitely something I've kind of thought about as well. Um, but at the same time, so in this in the trailer for the second one, you see they've left their house, and you also kind of notice that there are these new characters that they've brought into the story, and there's kind of like this new section of they kind of talk about how there's these uh, a group of people out there, and so it's like are these people maybe tied in with the situation and why they're kind of in this post-apocalyptic environment? Or are these people, are these people that they're trying to help because they might be in a worse situation? I don't really know who these new people are. And maybe like, I think, um, Killian Murphy is a, he's the, the actor who's playing a new character and he looked like he was very prominent in, uh, he was playing a very prominent role in the movie. So I don't know. Is he? Do you think he's supposed to be an antagonist? Do you think he's supposed to be another guy to kind of root for? Because I, I was kind of getting mixed vibes from his character, and maybe that was just me. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think what you're saying. I think he, he might be. I mean, I think the the aliens are ultimately the antagonist always, but I think they're now going to throw in almost kind of like the psychological fact of it. Like, hey, this is the kind of the end of the world, so to speak, the apocalyptic kind of thing. So here's how humans are dealing with it and here's how interaction with other humans that are surviving are dealing with it and how they vet them so that they're not dangerous when they take them in or that kind of stuff too. So he may be seemingly an antagonist at first and then kind of make a turn to be like, okay, you guys are legit. Um, Let's work together and let's figure out how to take these things down. Who knows? Yeah. Another thing I've kind of thought of is that there's 
in, in the trailer, there seems to be more talking. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I, do you think? Do you think that maybe they just put more talking in the trailer just to kind of make it interesting, or, or I mean, or do you think it's still going to be uh, kind of silent in ways? I mean, I I, I kind of like the idea of trying to keep it as quiet as possible with the dialogue. No, you're right. The first movie capitalized hugely on making it quiet, and like that messed yeah. with my ears. And I thought that was incredible because there hadn't been a movie that was like that. That you're just like you're hyper focused and hearing because you're wanting to figure out what's going on. And like, I actually laughed because when I watched this with my niece last week, um, we actually had some audio problems at the beginning. And so we weren't sure there was supposed to be sound in certain parts. And I was like, wait, I think there's supposed to be sound. And then we fixed it. And we're like, Oh yeah. Okay. That was good. But like for them to be able to capitalize on that, I hope they continue with that in the second one, but at the same time, they may have some explaining to do. So I think that might, you know, factor in, Hey, having more, um, talking in there, or they got a dialogue because obviously one group just entered another group's territory and you got to figure out why you're here. What are you going to be here for? How long are you going to be here for? What do you have to offer us? What do you have to give us that kind of thing? So I would think that that's gotta be a big factor. Yeah. 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 I I totally see what you're saying there. I kind of hope that they do kind of keep it a little quieter when it comes to the dialogue. Like I don't, I don't want to go to watch a quiet place part two and they're talking a lot, Yeah, you know, cause that kind of, that's why I'm kind of skeptical of them making a sequel. Cause that first one was so great. And I hadn't, I mean that experience you have in the theater watching the first one was really unique because it, it was kind of ironic because they took a major part of, of a story out, which was talking. Yep. But the, these characters were able to, or these actors were able to express so much emotion without speaking just through their body language and their facial expressions. And I'm like, I just don't want them to try to go so crazy with a second one that it just flops, Yep. you know? So I'm still worried about it, but I think John Krasinski has kind of gained everybody's trust. At the, so at the same time, I think I, I think it's going to be good, yeah. but I'm still a little, little worried. I do wonder though, because I know in movies, people always come back from the dead. Do you think John Krasinski's character could still be alive? Man, I questioned that for a little bit, but then I thought to myself, maybe this is the, maybe, and that's maybe their downfall, but maybe the sequel is where they explain where the aliens came from to begin with, um, how the chaos ensued and began, because they did show a little bit of that in the trailer. I want to say that, oh man, it would be crazy if he was still alive. That would be awesome. That would be an epic twist that I think Krasinski might be able to pull off. Um, but I think it's just kind of like a, hey, this is what happened before, and this is how we had to survive, and this is how they got to that farm that they, le- they ended up leaving in the second one. Um, yeah. But I think that, yeah, that could be a – man, it, it would be a crazy possibility, but I honestly don't think he's still alive. I don't think so either, but I've just kind of seen that idea floated around. I think it would be kind of hard and kind of uh, unbelievable at the same time just because you kind of watched him uh, – <laughs> being eaten by aliens he got alive mortally so. wounded and his daughter got the privilege of watching that from the, the window seat yeah. of their truck there and it was surprisingly kind of a tough watch for a pg-13 movie you know they killed off the kid in in the beginning and yeah, then his kids watch him die at the end so i mean pg-13 but it was rough man yeah i don't i don't know no, that um, was rough yeah so let's move on to the next one so the next one is black widow so this oh, was originally yeah. supposed to come out yeah, it's supposed to come out back 
May 1st of this year, but it's been postponed like everything else, and its current release date is now November 6th of this year. So the interesting thing about Black Widow is that, or two things, is that the first thing is that it is the first MCU movie that's post-Phase 3. So if you aren't familiar with this um, and you're listening, Marvel does their work in phases. They've divided up all 23 of their movies. You got Avengers that kind of was a bookend to Phase 1, and then essentially Ant-Man was the bookend to Phase 2. You could really look at it as Age of Ultron. And then Phase 3, Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home being the end. So Phase 4 is starting a new chapter of this group of movies with Black Widow, even though it's a prequel, takes place between the events of Civil War and Infinity War. Um, but it also, when they pushed this movie back to November 6th, it took the spot of Eternals. So every Marvel movie that was supposed to come out has just been pushed back to the date afterwards. And then Spider-Man 3, which has rights from Sony, shared rights with Sony, it's gotten a little tricky. So the movies that came after that, like or that are coming after that, like Thor and Doctor Strange, they've kind of had to adapt a little bit. But um, Black Widow is the first one we're getting. And like I said, it's a prequel. Um there's not really a lot we know about this movie. Oh, man. It's all pretty much speculation. Um, but there's a lot of things that have kind of been hinted at with uh, Black Widow's character in the past, like this whole Budapest situation yep. that you hear from yep. her and Hawkeye. So, I mean, obviously, you think Black Widow, you think Hawkeye as well. So it kind of makes me wonder, do you think we could see Hawkeye make an appearance in Black Widow? I think so. I, I think so. I think he'll make an appearance maybe... Like a cameo halfway through. Yeah. Halfway through a second half because of the fact that she has to go through all that training and stuff and how she becomes Black Widow. And I think that them, him, her kind of coming to America and doing that whole uh, kind of detox of all that stuff and then jump jumping in with him with different programs. And I think that Budapest might be a huge part where we finally figure out what happened in Budapest um, would be a huge part. I hope so. I'm going to be disappointed if they don't if they don't explain that. Because they've talked about it so much, and Marvel usually doesn't drop anything in their movies without uh, building it towards something. So I'm hoping that we get to kind of ex- experience what that is. Um, yep. So I'm hoping we see Hawkeye. I, I would be kind of surprised if we didn't, but also kind of not at the same time, just because there's been really no talk about it. I haven't really seen much about it. I've just seen people, you know, kind of throw the question out there, but there's just not really been much said. Yeah, dude, I think that's, I think that's, I almost feel like that's great. It's better for them to not say anything and just kind of let us speculate. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, because my expectation is really that Hawkeye is not going to be in the movie, mm-hmm. but I hope he is. Um, so if he is, then I would, I'd be surprised. Another thing it looks like Black Widow setting up is that uh, Florence Pugh, who's playing her younger sister, I don't know if they're related or if they're sisters from like their training program. I don't really know, um, but it, it might look like they're kind of setting her up to be the next Black Widow because they're doing that. They're clearly trying to set up the whole Young Avengers thing or the yeah. or the New Avengers. Yep. So it kind of makes me wonder if the character Florence Pugh is playing is going to be the next Black Widow figure. Yeah, dude, I know? could see. I mean, passing it down, I could see that easily happening just because, dude, they. 10 years in the Marvel Cinematic Universe just from a <laughs> human perspective. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, so to to pass down the mantle to somebody else that already knows the training and stuff to kind of seamlessly kind of come in and be like, hey, man, um, I trained with, you know, um, you know, I forget, Natasha Romanoff in there. So maybe you guys can take me in. They're like, oh, okay, let's see what you got. Kind of a new Avengers, Young Avengers thing like you were saying. 
that's a that's an easy tie-in, dude. Yeah, I kind of hope that that's what they're going for because I really like Florence Pugh as an actress. Like last year, she kind of got her career into a, like she brought her career into like more of a prominent thing, I guess you could say. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but she had movies that came out last year, like Midsummer, Midsummer, however you want to pronounce it. Really uh, crazy horror movie. I wouldn't recommend for a lot of people, but if you're a horror <laughs> fan, watch it. And she was also in Little Women, and she was nominated for. Um, an Academy Award. She didn't win, but she was nominated. I'm not surprised because, I mean, she's only like a few years older than me. I'm 20. I think she's probably 24, Let's maybe go. 25, Let's something like that. Man. She's a great actress, so I'm kind of glad that they've brought her in the Marvel Universe, and they'll probably, you know, expand her career yeah. and become a more well-known actress. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I hope that's kind of the direction they're going with uh, Florence Pugh's character. See, they could do that, or... I don't know who the antagonist of that might be because I know there's like an opposing Black Widow. I think I've seen some of the cartoon series like that almost wants to take the place of Black Widow because the Black Widow's name is like the best, the best, the best, ultimate, yeah. does what she needs to do. But there's like an opposing figure that kind of has the same thing. I don't know if it's called, I don't know if she's called Black Widow or if she's a different colored name, like Red Widow or something like that. Um, but yeah, they could know. use her as an antagonist too. So that's also a possibility. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Her potentially being an antagonist. I know the main antagonist in the movie looks like it's supposed to be Taskmaster. Yes, that does look there too, yep. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. And I've heard of the, they might have some type of twist with who Taskmaster is. It might be different from the comics. So I'm kind of curious to see what they do there. Dude, that'd be dope. But yeah, I didn't think about her character being a possible antagonist. I tend to think that's probably not the case, but you know, you never know. I mean... Dude, you're right though. Yeah, it might be. it might be that... Maybe she's an antagonist in like their training program, as in like their rivals, huge rivals. And then you're right, Taskmaster comes to town and it's time to figure out whose side you're on. And it's like, boom, there it is. Mm -hmm. So that might be it. Yeah, maybe maybe it's something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of villain twists in, throughout these movies. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that because if you look at Spider Man Far From Home, you've got um, Mysterio. Now, the general public that doesn't really know much about the comics would know. Or they wouldn't know that Mysterio was a bad guy. Yeah. You and I, however, we went into the movie. We were like waiting. We're like, wait, why is he a good guy? The big reveal. Yep. When is the reveal? And then even when that reveal happened and I knew it was going to happen, my mind was still blown just because yeah. of how many connections he had to all of the uh, so many events that have happened throughout all these movies. So that was really cool. Um, do you think we're going to get more information about the Red Room that from her training program? That's a tough one. I mean, it, it's essential to her origin. So I would think that they're going to do some explaining of the Red Room. I want to say that they mentioned it. Well, when... They did in an uh, Age of Ultron. That's it, When yeah. Scarlet Witch was kind of warping their minds, making them see things. There's a lot that was hinted at with Red Room for Black Widow. Yes. And then she explained things to Hulk as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that we get to learn more about Red Room. Yes, I think that's going to be a deeper training program. I want to say that that might be something that uh, you see as almost like an enemy entity that they yeah. got mad at the U.S. for doing something or whatever. I don't know. Um, however, the, however, Russia wants to do it, and this is their super soldier type program to kind of train people to be able to what they need to be. Um, mm -hmm. I think that Red Room was only only females, if I'm correct. I think that. that's right. Is that right? Um, I think so. So that might be a big thing too. And, you know, seeing all kinds of different kinds of uh, very covert op people 
coming after the Avengers and stuff like that too. So that might be interesting. Yeah, and we're also going to get some new characters like Red Guardian, who's played by David uh, David Harbor, who played Hopper in Stranger Things. Man, Hopper, love him. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see that character, and he kind of looked like he was going to be somewhat of the, like comedic relief. Yeah, based off the trailer. Yeah. Um. So that could be kind of cool, and I'm curious to see that character. I've heard he's kind of like the Russian Captain America. Yep, that's exactly what I heard. And uh, so I'm kind of curious to see what happens there. And and I like David Harbour as an as an actor. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Very. So good. I, I'm kind of I'm just overall I'm just kind of uh, curious to see what Black Widow's story is like outside of the Avengers because we haven't really gotten to know anything about her outside of being teamed up with the Avengers. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So moving on, let's move to uh, we're gonna kind of hit these at the same time here. So we're gonna do Morbius. And Venom 2 called Venom Let There Be Carnage. So Morbius was supposed to come out uh, July 31st of this year. Supposed to come out. Uh, so in, with, it was supposed to be out in a, in a few weeks. Uh, but now it's been pushed back to March 19th of next year. Venom, the Venom 2 was supposed to come out October 2 or <laughs> October 2, <laughs> October 2nd of this year. But it's been postponed to June 25th of next year as well. So those are pretty big. Uh, delays and I thought we kind of hit these at the same time just because I think there's going to be a lot of overlap because these are both Spider-Man villain spinoff movies we got Venom um, I think it was two years ago at this point yep and um, so we're getting the sequel finally and Morbius I was kind of surprised to see that we're actually going to get a movie about Morbius because that's not a villain that's super well known from Spider-Man no not at all but he's one of my personal favorites Um, I think kind of based off of our conversations previously i think you're probably a little bit more excited for venom than i am and i'm probably a little bit more excited for morbius that's the truth (laughs) i think i think that's i think that's the case but so we've got a full trailer for morbius Mm -hmm. and i think there's just a little teaser for venom let there be carnage kind of a cheesy title (laughs) yeah um but with the morbius um trailer there's two big questions that kind of make you curious as to whether they're trying to tie these movies into the MCU because obviously at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, there's the big cliffhanger ending, and that was that um, Mysterio falsely, or not falsely, but he reveals Peter Parker's identity, but falsely portrays who he is. Yeah, he makes Peter Parker out to be the bad guy, and in the Morbius trailer, you see uh, painted on the wall, you see uh, Spider-Man, and you see a lot of negative context surrounding his name people clearly aren't a fan of spider-man and then at the end you see vulture show up there's michael keaton he's talking to jared leto who's playing morbius and i was like are they setting up the sinister six let's go because if they are that would be awesome and maybe they will tie that in a little bit to venom and also next year and later we're going to talk about this movie as well which is spider-man 3 so we're getting literally three spider-man movies essentially next year yep which is awesome the sequencing is perfect too and i think that's why a lot yeah. of this stuff got perfect and i think i think you're hitting it right at home because i think they're going to move right into each other and i think that's going to set up sinister six um mad props to all these directors though for introducing new characters into uh the spider universe um because i mean you could there's characters that probably need to stay constant like a norman osborne or you know in the green goblin yeah. and such but like They've been trying, you know, the three Tobey Maguire movies had three different ones. 
the Andrew Garfield ones had different ones. Yeah. And even your Tom Holland. So, like, they've been putting out different characters to try to keep everybody interested. But at the same time, they need to bring them together to do this Sinister Six. So, I got to figure out how to warp all that together. Yeah. And they've been trying to do the Sinister Six literally since Spider-Man 3 came out back in 2007. And every time they've tried to Sinister Six, it's just flopped. Like, they, they tried Spider-Man 3. Didn't work. They tried with Amazing Spider-Man 2. That obviously did not work at all. Yeah. But they've subtly hinted at it in the Marvel Universe. And if anybody's going to do it right, it's going to be the MCU. It's got to be. You know? The, I mean, I have only been truly disappointed with Marvel Cinematic Universe once. And that was Captain Marvel. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody knows that at this point. Dude, I heard that a second time the other day, too. Somebody else told me that they didn't like that. And I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's just not that good. But... Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that they tie Morbius and Venom, Venom two into uh, the MCU. And from what I understand, because Marvel and Sony, or I guess Disney and Sony, have these shared rights with Spider-Man characters, they can kind of uh, somewhat connect their universes in a way. And even at Comic Con last year, I wasn't there, but I watched the live stream or whatever. Kevin Feige, who's the president of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Studios, he even said Spider-Man is the only character that actually, ha- and it was a joke, he said Spider-Man is like the only character that has a superpower to jump between universes. Yeah. So I was like, hey, so maybe they're going to somehow bring this Sony Spider-Verse, whatever you want to call it, to be loosely connected in its own little pocket world inside of the MCU. Oh, I think that's awesome. I think that's great. Like, I, I'm... I'm looking forward to that. I mean, Venom, let there be carnage only because when they first introduced carnage in that third Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire um, or they introduced Venom. Yeah. When they introduced Venom with that, yeah. immediately my brain thought of, okay, sweet symbiotes are here. Dude, that means carnage is coming up. This is going to be incredible. Um, yeah. When Tom Hardy was introduced as the, the, you know, protagonist for Venom. And I remember it started off. I think it started off. The rating was supposed to be rated R. Um, and my brother and I were yeah. like, yep, this is it, dude, because Venom is not I was excited. Healthy. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be great. Uh, but then they kind of you know, cheese it up a little bit, made it a little bit nicer. But I really still like Hardy's portrayal of Eddie Brock, and I like how, they're been, how they've been doing Venom. Um, so that's great. So although I, did, I wasn't like a huge fan of the movie, I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. That's a good start. That's a good setup. Um, I think that this one needs to be darker because Carnage is a way totally different character. And Agree. Then, Completely agree. Dude, and what's my boy that's playing him? Like, that's going to be insane. Like Woody Harrelson. Harrelson. Dude, he's a... Oh, that's going to be awesome. He needs to just be an absolute freak. That's going to be awesome. Exactly. I mean, those are the types of characters he plays. I'm, he's a very eccentric actor, as in the, the characters he chooses to play are usually very eccentric. Yes. And he's very good at that. And so when I saw that he was cast as Carnage, I was like, that is epic. And some people weren't a huge fan of that, I think, because... Kind of at the end of uh, the first Venom movie, they there was like a post credit scene that that was clearly a tie in to uh, Carnage because you saw Woody Harrelson yeah. as as Carnage, um, and people were excited about it. But it was kind of like Woody Harrelson; he might be a little too odd. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but but Carnage is a strange guy. Yeah, he's just yeah, and so. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. I, I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be I good. am hoping, though, you, so you talked about just a second ago that Venom was originally supposed to be R, and then it ended up being PG-13. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed by Venom because of how funny it was. 
and I was like, awesome. This is going to be a dark movie. Dude, I'm looking forward to it because every, every comic book movie has all these one-liners and everything, which is fine, mm-hmm. but some movies don't need it. And I didn't think Venom did. And I think they try to make it too entertaining and it ended up being just kind of a cliche movie to me. So, and I saw that they changed directors for the second Venom movie and Andy Serkis is directing it, which I was like, he's directing it. That's weird. He's usually acting in movies, but that's you know, true. that happens and that's cool. And so Andy Serkis, who's been involved in like literally every pop culture series known to man <laughs> is now directing Venom too. And generally he's in darker movies. So I was like, I'm hoping that Venom let there be carnage is going to be darker. Yeah. Yeah, dude. No, you're right. That that's that. I'm hoping that same thing too. I mean, I think if they literally would have taken out, I think that that's also what disappointed me about that for that Venom too, uh, is is you could have taken out all the humor, kept it more serious, and it would have been a better movie. I think that yeah, completely because it was it was dark in its action and the characters and how they were supposed to do, but like trying to make the the funny one liners and stuff like that. Nah, man, not worth it. Not worth it. Venom's a different character. Yeah. And I like Tom Hardy as Venom. I just didn't want it to be as funny as it was. Yep, exactly. Um, but I, I'm hoping it looks like, based on the trailer of Morbius, that's going to be more of a like a more intense movie, not as funny. And I'm hoping Venom Two is the same way. Um, but another, so the last thing I kind of want to talk about with these two movies is: Do you think we'll see uh, Tom Holland as Spider Man make an appearance in one of these two movies? Honestly, if if there's gonna if it's gonna be one of them, I think it would have to be Morbius. Okay. Just because there's the scientific side of that, the brain side of it. So him and Dr. Morbius would need to be able to like try to talk and try to figure out the serum. It's almost like the, his connection with uh, the lizard. I don't know if you're familiar with like the lizard uh, villain yeah. and how he turns into himself. But like Doc Connors is trying to figure out how to get rid of this thing and he can't. And Spider-Man is constantly trying to help him. Um, I think it might be a similar situation there. Right. Yeah. They kind of had the lizard situation going on in, uh, in the amazing... And the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, yep. and, that, and that one I used to love that movie. It's and then then I realized it's just kind of all right. But uh, <laughs> I liked it when I was younger. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the fence, and I kind of thought Spider-Man would make an appearance in Venom because that seems to be the one people are talking about more. Like, oh, I think you're going to see Spider-Man in Venom. That's going to be awesome. And also, Tom Hardy has somewhat teased that. I don't know okay. if you know about that. Okay, I don't. But. I don't think we're going to see him in both. I think we'd be lucky. We'd be lucky enough to see him show up in one of them. And I have a good feeling that's going to happen just because I think they're going to try to make these movies connect somehow and set up the sinister six. Um, But I think later we're going to try to talk about sinister six a little bit more once we get to Spider-Man three. But for right now, let's move on to what they have shortened the title to F (laughs) nine. It's just such a short title. I don't get it. Fast and furious nine. Dude, I mean, they, they made the eighth one pretty good. I, I didn't even realize it till I watched it. The Fate of the Furious. And I was like, oh. I wish they, if they, if they have F9, why didn't they spell Fate F8? That's they a, actually yeah. spelled Fate out. <laughs> these titles are, for Fast and Furious, their titles are so inconsistent. And it just, it bugs my OCD. But anyway, so Fast 9 was supposed to come out May 22nd of this year. So we were supposed to have already seen this. But it has been pushed back. This movie had a huge gap in its in its uh, two release dates. It's now taking the release date of Fast and Furious 10, which was supposed to be April 2nd, 2021. So that's almost an entire year. That's like that's like 10 months. Yeah. But Fast 9 is the next Fast and Furious movie we're getting. And if you saw the trailer, 
you're probably familiar with the fact that they gave away a lot of information yep. with how this next movie is going to go. Because we learned that this this was crazy. We learned that John Cena is playing Vin Diesel's brother. Let's go. <laughs> and this, we're nine movies in, with plus a spinoff, with the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. Why are we just now finding out that Dom, <laughs> who's played by Vin Diesel, has a brother? We've known he's had a sister since day one. And we are just now finding out that John Cena, of all people, is playing Vin Diesel's brother. And now, if it were any other movie franchise, I'd be like, that's ridiculous. This is going to be a terrible movie. <laughs> no. But it's Fast and Furious. And Fast and Furious, they just get progressively more and more ridiculous. Dude. So I was like, I'm on board. That's awesome. Vin Diesel, John Cena, are they going to fight? Are they going to duke it out like he did with The Rock? That's going to oh. be great. Dude, but it's just like you said. I think when you did your... Uh I think it was the the, the action series movies uh, podcast a couple a little bit ago. Um, yeah, the Fast and Furious movies are purely for just like turning your brain off and just watching for the action. Like, yeah, I just watched. It's just that. dumb fun. Yeah, I just watched that last Fate of the Furious last night, and I was like, this is just sweet. Like every there's, it just keeps pumping me up. Like I want to go out and drive my yeah. car crazily now and do all kinds of crazy <laughs> stunts. Can it happen? Probably not. But like. Dude, this is just so awesome. Just turn my brain off and like look at all these crazy things that are happening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the one you talked about. So you watched The Fate of the Furious last night. Yeah. I mean, that movie got so ridiculous because they were literally like on ice at the end of the movie being chased by a submarine. <laughs> For and I was like, time. what submarine goes that fast? <laughs> yes. There is no submarine that goes that fast. Like, seriously, it was ridiculous. And then you've got like the submarine explodes and Vin Diesel's like not that far away from it. And he's only saved because they surrounded him with cars. Yes. And, and he's like, and even before what? that, dude, he escaped at heat seeking missile. So like there was a missile flying at him that he was able to evade twice. Yeah. And then somehow get it into the, into the sub. I was like, <laughs> dude, I didn't even think about the lo logistics behind it, but I was like, that works. That, that, that was a good, that was a good hit. <laughs> they have done so many absurd things. Like in the sixth one, they're on the runway and that plane is going, I mean, that plane is literally going one direction on that runway for 20 minutes or yes. so. And I'm like, runways on average are about a mile long. Some are maybe like two miles long or something like that because some planes are really big and they have to have longer than a mile, a mile long runway. But on average, from what I understand, they're about a mile long. What plane takes 20 minutes to go a mile? Exactly. Or two miles at top speed. Yep, that gives you like one. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. And then in the seventh one, they they jump those those uh, skyscrapers with that car. Yes. They did. They went skydiving out of cars, inside cars. They're skydiving, jumping out of a plane <laughs> inside of a car, and and the cars have like parachutes. And I was like, the crazy thing is they actually that one they actually filmed. That's so cool though. That's still cool. But so I kind of wanted to talk about all those crazy stunts because. I'm kind of curious to know what the next big thing is. I don't really know how they can top all this stuff. Yeah. However, one thing that I've heard, I don't know if you know about this. So Fast Fast 9, Fast 10 are the last two and what they're now calling the Fast Saga because they're trying to be important like Star Wars. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and th So they've legitimately talked about going to space. Wow. And I was like, so, okay, let, let's, let's, let's take a second. Space, Hold on. Dude. Oh, let's go. And I, so I was like, so if we look at the first Fast and Furious movie, that was just straight up street racing. So a crime movie about street racing, simple. It was kind of a ripoff of Point Break yeah. in a way, but it was a street racing movie. Nothing super crazy. 
But if you then you look at the eighth one, it's like, how did we get from point A to point B? Yep. And if we're going to go in space, I mean, we might as well just you know have Vin Diesel driving on Rainbow Road. That's you know that's kind of that, that's kind of what I think. That's that's my thought. Every oh, time they awesome. say every time. Every time I hear Fast and Furious is going to space, I'm like, are, so are we going to have a Mario Kart crossover? Because that's going to be awesome. Yes. See some bananas and turtle shells thrown around in there. That's so good. Yeah. That's the fun. Like, that's that's hilarious. Like, one of the things I did see, at least that trailer, um, that makes me laugh. I always love watching Ludacris in there. No joke. He's just, he just makes me laugh. But, like. Um, yeah, he's funny. They had a plane that had, I think, it, it like, one of the cars jumped off of a cliff and a plane was coming over it. And it had some type of heavy <laughs> magnet that sucked it back down. I was like, okay, you yeah. got, all right, all right, you guys are thinking about this kind of stuff. And they're like, he has, the plane has magnets now? And they're like, what? I was like, that's dope. That was funny. And then but at the same time, I think it's in that same part of the trailer, you see uh, Vin Diesel's like, I'm going to drive off this cliff. <laughs> yes, for what? And and Michelle Rodriguez is like, what? What are you thinking? And he jumps off, and somehow there's like this like grappling hook thing, and yes. he like latches the car onto it and swings the car around to go back up the other side of the cliff. I was like, what laws of physics are you guys applying? Not here? a clue. Because I, but but I'm so down because all you got to do is go into these movies, turn your brain off, and have fun. Yep. It's just dumb fun. That's the best. So yeah, they. I mean, they're known for their stunts, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next big stunt is. I mean, and I'm hoping they they didn't give it away in the trailer yeah. because. They gave so much away in the trailer. They did give away that one big stunt that we just talked about with the grappling hook, Cliff Shindig. But um, I'm hoping that there's something that we haven't seen yet. That's the truth. Uh, another, talking about, or speaking of things that they revealed in this, in this trailer, we now know that Han is still alive. And I'm like, how? Dude, like, I, I, I'm, I'm curious as to why they just kept doing that. Yeah, like, why, why are they... I don't know why they decided to make these big reveals like in the trailer. I mean, the trailer was like four minutes long, but like, yeah, it was absurd. Dude, they could have kept them and like kept them as like secrets. But I wonder if they just want to put it out there for everybody. So everybody's questioning how, 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 why, why, why. And then they want to go and watch it. So it's another good tactic, yeah. I guess. I would have like if they want to kind of have if they were going to reveal that John Cena was playing Vin Diesel's brother and that Han was back alive or somehow he managed to stay alive. I want to know. I'd rather just know one of them. Yes. You know, I don't want to know like every major plot detail of the movie. But then again, I mean, they got my money. I'm going. Dude, yep. I'm going to watch, watch it. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know how he how he's alive because he was in a car crash. Jason Statham It was revealed in the sixth one that back in Tokyo Drift, Jason Statham was actually the guy who crashed the car. Han's hanging upside down in the car. The car's upside down and it explodes. Yep. I have no idea how he survived. You know, I mean, clearly people are able to pull this off in movies all the time. So, I mean, Fast and Furious requires an immense amount of suspension of disbelief. Yep. So, whatever whatever the explanation is, I'm most likely going to be like, yeah, works for this series. Yep, I'll, I'll pass it you off know? as it works. <laughs> but I honestly have no no answers as to how he's still alive, unless it was a unless it was a setup somehow. Yeah, maybe that's, that's the only only explanation. Yeah. The other thing. Um, then this wasn't revealed in the trailer at all, but there's been a lot of talk about it. Is that maybe we'll see a CGI Paul Walker again? Obviously, Paul Walker passed away, which is unfortunate. Um, but his character Brian, Brian's wife in the movie, which is Dom's sister Mia, she's back. She wasn't in the last yeah. one, and um, people have been kind of uh, posing the question of whether we'll see a CGI Paul Walker again, and maybe his brother will stand in, yeah. um, and they'll, you know make his face look like it's Paul Walker. I kind of hope not 
Yeah. Don't, I mean, they gave him a good send off, like just, you know, figure out some other type of plan to like keep him out or even not even mention it. Just have the wife come back in. Although that would raise some questions. I don't know. The only way I think I'd be okay with it is if like, say they go to get Mia from her house or whatever. And you kind of see Paul Walker, like Paul Walker in quotes, um, in the background, maybe like with their kids or whatever. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything. You just see maybe Vin Diesel kind of look at him, and they take his sister, and they just kind of go. Yeah, yeah. I that's kind of what I hope if they were to come anywhere close to messing with that character. But I just kind of want them to leave it alone because the send off in Fast Seven was or Furious Seven, now they call it, um, was so great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's very respectful of his character as well, and just Paul Walker in general. I thought. Yeah, that's a good um, one. But there's a lot to look forward to for Fast Nine. For sure. Yeah, that's going to be a crazy one. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to spend my money on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So next is The Batman. So The Batman was supposed to come out June 25th of next year, and it's been pushed back to October 1st of next year. So that's only a, like, only a few months, not a big gap. Yeah. And I'm okay with it being back in October because I think that makes more sense for Batman, in my opinion. Yeah. It's more of like the Halloween feel. Batman's more of a, you know, he's darker. And I don't really want to go watch a super dark movie in the summer because I kind of want more of the Fast and Furious entertainment. Yep. Um, so this is the start of the next upcoming Batman trilogy. And it stars Robert Pattinson as Batman. And that's that was kind of a controversial pick. I'm on board with it. What about you? At first, dude, I honestly, you've done some convincing for me. Like at first I was like, ah, oh, oh, really? The only thing I didn't see, I saw him in was the Twilight series. And yeah. I think you staple a character from their first big movies and you're like, dude, they can't right. play anything else. But like seeing him in that one um, and then having to come to Batman, I was like, all right, this dude has to do a role change here pretty quick, pretty huge. Maybe he's the guy for it. Maybe he can do it. Um, there's other movies he's obviously been in and he's done a good job in. So let's give him a chance. Let's see how he does. Um, he's probably going to be better than Affleck anyways. But um and it's just oh like, yeah, for sure. You know, so and there are some Affleck fans out there no, with his portrayal I'm, of Batman. Not, I I was not a that fan. Was not mine at all. No, Christian Bale all the way. Bale is the man. Bale is the man. But and he and Bale, like you said though, Bale can play just about any. Dude, Bale's just really good on most on most roles anyway. So it's just like yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I can I can jump on board with the Pattinson train and see how that guy does. I th- I think he can actually do pretty good. I think I'm 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 kind of yeah. looking forward to it now that you've kind of helped convince me a little bit more on that one. Yeah, and a lot of people are, are skeptical, and, and rightly so, of uh, Robert Pattinson playing Batman because, I mean, obviously, he's a Twilight guy. He was a vampire. Yeah. And I've seen him in uh, some movies outside of Twilight, and I think he's a very talented actor, especially if you watch The Lighthouse, which is kind of a psychological horror movie that came out last year. He was also in The Lost City of Z. He was good in the movie. I didn't really care for the movie all that much. He's been in some other stuff. And I think Batman is what's really going to, you know, kind of restart his career. He's also going to be in Tenet, which is Christopher Nolan's uh, next movie coming out. It's supposed to come out in a few weeks. It did just get pushed back two weeks from its original release date. That had never been changed. I've, I'm willing to bet that we'll see that movie be pushed back again, but that's just me. But anyway, I think Robert Pattinson is going to be great. And also this trilogy, they say this is going to be a trilogy. I'm not sure how true that is. Um, but they, so Matt Reeves is directing these movies and, he directed, if you're not familiar with his name, he directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet yes. of the Apes. Yes. Okay. He didn't direct Rise, but he directed Dawn and War. So when I heard about that, and I heard that Matt Reeves was directing this new Batman 
or this new group of Batman movies that are coming out and that Robert Pattinson was playing Batman, I was totally on board because the tone of the Planet of the Apes movies are exactly how Batman needs to be. Yes. And Robert Pattinson, I think, looks like Bruce Wayne. He's not as he's obviously not as like bulked up. Uh, he's kind of a scrawnier dude, yeah. but you know they can they can work on that. They can do some training. He can get there, but he looks like Bruce Wayne, and I think he he has the personality, or he can act the personality of Bruce Wayne very well. So one of the things that they're saying about this version of Batman, and it's obviously because Robert Pattinson's playing him, he's going to be a little bit younger. Um, Batman's usually kind of late thirties, yeah. maybe early forties, whatever. But this version is going to be more of uh, a truer origin story of Batman mm-hmm. at maybe late twenties, early thirties. And they're saying he's going to, they're, they're going to try to depict Batman as the world's greatest detective that he's known to be. And that's something that they haven't really shown all that much, especially if you go look at like the old Burton or Tim Burton Batman movies yeah. or the, the Joel, especially the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Those are, those are a mess. And you kind of get to learn a little bit about Batman as a detective and Batman begins and, and just the Batman or the dark Knight trilogy in general. But I think what they're trying to do is, really uh, emphasize the detective side of Batman. And I'm really intrigued by that. So what are your thoughts on just that general concept? Actually, I think that's an, I think it's an amazing different approach just because before we've gotten the action side of Batman, the gadget side of Batman, the cool Batman car, um, that kind of stuff. It's better to see his process in figuring out how to, take out or figure out what the villain's plot is and stuff like that. I mean, we got a little bit of that in Christopher Nolan's uh, trilogy of Batman, but like to, to do it this way with the origin story is kind of like a helpful, Hey, these are the beginnings of how he started and how he's going to keep rolling. So I think that's going to be a great um, benefit. And you know how I love the the planet of the Apes series. So that with Matt Reeves yeah. is going to be dope. Yeah. Those planet of the Apes series are very, very dark, uh, very foreboding, just kind of yeah. like, down like there's no hope kind of thing not 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 no not necessarily no hope but like it's just it's just darker and it's just a lot heavier They're depressing yeah so like this heavier because obviously batman's a very heavy character he doesn't have any superpowers right he just has this intelligence and what he can do as a detective to try to mm-hmm. solve and fight crime as a vigilante and i think that's gonna be awesome yeah i mean and to add on to what you're saying about how this the tone of kind of how batman and planet of the apes they kind of correlate with the tone of their movies and matt reeves obviously being at the helm of both of those, both these franchises, the darkness of the Batman movies and just Batman comics in general really come from his, his villains and his villains are different from most superheroes. Most superheroes got, you know, some crazy alien figure yep. or, you know, uh, some time traveling dude or um, a giant Greek God of some sort. Yep. I mean, all this type of stuff, Batman's villains are just psychopaths and Batman Probably Batman and Spider-Man kind of compete for having the best catalog of villains. Yes. I would give it to, to Batman just because he's got Joker, Penguin, Riddler, Catwoman, all these people. And we're going to see a lot of these villains in this movie. We, uh, three of them are already confirmed. So we've got Colin Farrell as the Penguin. So that's the first one we can talk about. That's kind of an interesting pick. I love Colin Farrell, dude. Yeah, he's great. I've seen some movies he's been in. And if they're going for the version of the Penguin, I think they are. I think he could do a great job. If they're not, I'm still open-minded. I, I'm not doubting anything Colin Farrell's going to do. But if they're not going for more of that like modern-day, you know, criminal mastermind version of the Penguin, who isn't as like realistically depicted as a penguin-looking type guy, if they're going for more just like a normal-looking character, 
I think then Colin Farrell will do a good job. But I've heard that they, uh, somebody was on the set and somebody came onto the set that couldn't see some of the certain things. And they were like, wait, we got to move all these like prosthetics for the penguin off, off this table. It was like, so are they going to have like the big nose yeah. and all this type of stuff? Like, I don't know. I'm curious to see kind of what he can do. So you're a fan of Colin Farrell. Oh, dude, what do you, I've, what do you think about yeah, him as a penguin? I love, I just love Colin Farrell's acting in general, especially when he plays a villain. Dude, he's one of my like faves. Uh, like this movie got a lot of flack and it definitely wasn't good at all, but the daredevil back in the day with Ben Affleck and how Colin Farrell played bullseye and how he was like completely obsessive about making sure he nailed his target every time was yeah. creepily amazing. Like, that to me was like now that's my kind of a, a at least for superhero kind of stuff um villain for right. him like that was my top of the top for for Colin Farrell and so for him to play another villain I'm like dude bring it on and and then one as interesting as the penguin I could see yeah, that as very iconic really villain yeah that's going to be awesome I'm looking forward to that um yeah but yeah Colin Farrell is he's an actor I don't think I'm quite as familiar. I mean, I'm very familiar with Colin Farrell, but I think you've seen more movies with him in it than I have. The ones that come to mind for me are Minority Report yeah, and yep. The Gentleman that came out earlier this year, just because that's so recent. And he's he's good. He's good um, in all the stuff he does that I've seen. Um, so another villain, this is one I'm really looking forward to, is The the Riddler, and he's going to be played by Paul Dano. Most people probably aren't very familiar with Paul Dano's name. He was in Prisoners that came out seven years ago. Uh, he was in a movie I wasn't a huge fan of called um, Swiss Army Man. Okay. Not I don't really like that movie. It was too goofy while trying to be philosophical, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I don't like goofy stuff usually. Um, <laughs> but he was also in a movie called There Will Be Blood. He was really good in that movie. He's also really good in Prisoners. And he's kind of – he plays very, very bizarre, creepy characters. Yeah. And the Riddler – We've never we haven't really seen an accurate version of the Riddler because Jim Carrey played an over the top goofball oh, yeah. version oh, yeah. of the Riddler right, right. in Batman Forever, which was fine for that movie. Don't like the movie, but I was even like when I was working on like I was like who would I want to play the Riddler? I was like Paul Dano, and then they announced it, and I was like yes, <laughs> this is awesome. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Are you familiar with Paul Dano at all? A little bit from Prisoners, yes. And I think the creep factor is probably going to be a huge thing in the as as him being the Riddler. Yes. Um because that just like he just uh the whole soft spoken but yet like very yeah. kind of and cringy's not the word I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little bit more creepy kind of like sinister factor like dude, I don't really care right. what's going on but here's this really cool riddle I have for you and you're like, "Oh, okay, dude. <laughs> you're yeah. you're a nuts." I I'm just I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, and there was a rumor going around about who could have played the Riddler a while back if the Dark Knight trilogy had 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 extended and made a fourth movie, they were, I don't know how true this is, so this could be completely false, but I was very intrigued by the idea, which was that if they continue with the Dark Knight trilogy, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be the Riddler. And I was like, yes, dude, that would be great. Dude, that could be awesome. He's, he's my favorite actor, and he could totally pull off the Riddler. But for this trilogy that they're going for, I'm really glad they have Paul Dano as the Riddler. I think Leonardo DiCaprio would have been good Riddler for the Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. trilogy. But Paul Dano as a Riddler, that's a great choice. But moving on, so uh, Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about her. I just know that she's Lenny Kravitz' daughter. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's really it. I, I don't, I, I think, I could be wrong. I think she might be more of a TV show actress, okay. generally. I could be completely wrong there. 
But that makes sense that I don't know much about her because I'm not a big TV show guy. Yeah. All I know, I mean, obviously she's Lenny Kravitz's daughter. If you look it up, her last name is Kravitz. Um, uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see where they're going with that. Yeah, that's a hard one to play. That's a hard one to play just in general. I think the cat woman, the cat women <laughs> from the past has just always been, it's always been a difficult role, like how to act and in response to Batman and like interacting with him and stuff like that. So I'm curious as to how they write that and how she plays that as well. Yeah, and you're right. It is a little bit difficult because Catwoman, in a way, is kind of an anti-hero because she's kind of like Loki. She's kind of a good guy, but also a bad guy yep. at yeah. the same time. And you never, and she's kind of deceiving. You never know which one she really is. Yeah. Batman Returns had Catwoman. Michelle Fiverr played Catwoman. She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for Anne Hathaway as Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. That was just me, though. Some people liked her. I wasn't a huge fan, but you know, I'm open-minded to whatever they're trying to go for with this version of Catwoman, I'm totally down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the other person that's playing a, a, a famous character in the Batman, uh, you know, character catalog is Jeffrey Wright as commissioner Gordon. I haven't seen him in much, um, but I know he's going to be voicing, I think the watcher and uh, Marvel's what if oh, TV cool. show, you know, I'm totally down uh, for him to play commissioner Gordon. I don't know much about him either. Um, and I think he also might be another TV show. Okay. Actor. Yeah. I could be totally wrong there, but if he if he is in movies, I just I just haven't seen the ones that he's been in. Yeah, I particularly like Commissioner Gordon as a character in general, especially from the old uh, animated series. I think it's from the '90s that I watched. That series was dark too, so it almost kind of brings yeah. me back. Like I'm hoping this movie kind of s- takes that theme of those old animated series. Um, but I always love Commissioner Gordon, so I'm hoping Jeffrey Wright does a good job with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think he'll do a pretty good job. And also, the last one is that Andy Serkis is playing Alfred. Ah, okay. And he's he's a younger Alfred because Batman's younger, so it makes sense. Yep. And if you want to go for a younger Alfred, I was like, dude, Andy Serkis, yeah, get it? You know, I mean, and then that's just adding Andy Serkis to another pop culture <laughs> franchise. Awesome. Dude, you this know? guy has his hand. Everywhere. I mean, he's been in Lord of the Rings. He's been in Star Wars. He's been in. Um, I mean, he's directing Venom. He was in Marvel. He was uh, Ulysses Claw. Yep. And now he's playing uh, Batman. He's, he's Caesar in Planet of the Apes. I mean, it, the list could go on and on. So I'm kind of, I was glad to see that Andy Serkis was a part of this movie. So the last thing uh, I kind of want to talk about when it comes to the characters for Batman is obviously Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of questions going on about who's going to be the Joker. Is the Joker going to be a part of this uh, new Batman series? Um, if so... Is it going to be somebody else, or is it going to be Joaquin Phoenix? Is it? I mean, this one I really hope it's not. But is Jared Leto uh, <laughs> Joker? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I would be okay if Joaquin Phoenix showed up. Obviously, there would have to be a huge time gap. Yeah. Uh, so how I don't really know how you'd be able to explain the aging process there, um, unless somehow Joker's immortal or whatever, <laughs> like Wolverine, and he doesn't age. But that'd be stupid. So a lot, I'm, I lean towards that they're going to recast Joker and it's going to be a brand new actor, okay. which is, that's, that's what I hope they do because I kind of just want them to leave Joker as a standalone movie. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that's it. That's a lot to live up to too, especially after the Nolan series. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you got whoever the, this next, this next Joker is, they have to live up to Jack Nicholson. They have to live up to Heath Ledger and they have to live up to, uh, obviously not Jared Leto, but they have to live up to Joaquin Phoenix. All three of those portrayals were drastically different, but they're all fantastic. The one that you hear a lot about is that Johnny Depp is going to play the Joker. Dude, Depp is nuts. Yeah, he is. I mean, think about it. He played Jack Sparrow. Very strange character. Um, he's, you know, he's in a lot of weird... Edward Scissorhands. He's in all sorts yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of Tim Burton movies. Um, I'm totally down for Johnny Depp to be Joker. 
I think it'd be crazy. We could say we lived in a world where Jack Nicholson, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Heath Ledger, and Johnny Depp all played the Joker. <laughs> yeah. You know, like what kind of bizarre multiverse is that? That would be great. And then another one I think could be interesting is Willem Dafoe. Have you seen The Lighthouse from last year? Mm-mm. So Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe were the only, really the only two people in this movie, The Lighthouse. It was about, it was a cabin fever type movie. Okay. Um, and there are these two guys that watched over a lighthouse for uh, a season or whatever and how they kind of went crazy and drove each other mad. Um, <laughs> they were, they were great. They were both fantastic in that movie. And Willem Dafoe just looks like the Joker. I mean, he does. I mean, if you go think about him playing Green Goblin yeah, oh, yeah. in, the, in the in the Raimi trilogy. Dude, yeah, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, and, and the fact that we already know Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe can kind of, you know, they have that chemistry where they can be enemies in a way. If you go back and if you go and watch Lighthouse, you would you would understand what I'm talking about. Um, and so Johnny Depp, Willem Dafoe, I think those would be the best choices. I think there's a lot of people that could play the Joker, but Johnny Depp's the one I'm on board for. Willem Dafoe as well. What what are your thoughts on those two people, or do you have somebody you would somebody different in mind, dude? Either of those. The great part about both of those, Johnny Depp and Willem Dafoe, is that they both could play it, but they both would do it totally different. Um, if they exactly. brought Joaquin yeah. Phoenix and took his character as the Joker, as the Joker, as as he played it, I think it could pass as well. Um, but you know, Depp and Dafoe are both insane characters that do well acting yeah. in general, and so people would flock to see them. Um, do it as well. So oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm Joker is my favorite villain of all time. Obviously, we talked about that in the villains episode yep. that we did a few weeks ago. Um, but I know Joker's not going to be in the first Batman movie in this new series. I'm hoping they maybe bring him in in the second or the third one. I still would like. I've heard some people want Joker to be given a break. I don't. I am all for Joker to be, um, you know, a main force yeah. in this new in this new series because I like seeing different interpretations of the Joker. Even if you look at the animated versions, Mark Hamill, he voices Joker and he does fit. He's probably the best Joker voice and Joker laugh. Yes, there is animated. Yep. Yeah. And so I'd be totally down to see Johnny Depp or Willem Dafoe for sure. So before we move on to the next five upcoming movies for this episode, be sure to follow me on letterboxd at McNeil Mulligan letterbox is where I post the movies I watch and write reviews. You can follow the McNeil and Friends podcast on Instagram at mcneil.and.friends.podcast. Message me through Instagram to let me know what your predictions are for your most anticipated upcoming movies, or if you have any topics you'd like me to talk about on this podcast for the Movie Screen Quarantine series. Also, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Twitter. Lastly, you can find the McNeil and Friends podcast on Patreon and support this podcast by becoming a patron if you so desire. You can find a link that will take you to all of these locations in the description of this episode. So moving on, let's talk about Spider-Man 3, the sequel to Spider-Man Far From Home. This is a movie I am very much looking forward to. I think out of all the ones we're talking about, I'm most excited for Batman, this being a close second. Spider-Man 3 was supposed to come out July 16th of next year. Current release date is now November 5th of next year, so just a few months. Not a not a big change. Yeah. Um, the thing that's really interesting about this sequel is that there obviously was the cliffhanger ending of Far From Home yep. and how it sets up uh, Spider-Man 3. So... The first question I guess we need to ask here is how is Spider-Man going to redeem himself? Or if so, how, like if he can, he do that? Is it possible? What, what, do, what do you think is going to happen? I think this is an introduction to another character, um, whether that be like we talked about before, the Morbius character or even like Eddie Brock Venom's character. He has to find some type of solace somewhere that he can hide out or escape from. 
obviously the the crazed madness of all the people well all people think um I heard rumor that they're going to bring back in uh, J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson, so that might be another factor yeah. too with Hall. The you know he's a he's a he's a menace and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think this might have to be an introduction to a character that we might have to find out that Spider Man kind of befriends or gets close to um, in order to escape all those things and kind of gets not a. I mean, he doesn't have Spider Man usually doesn't have a team, but like a team to kind of help him combat a lot of the stuff that might be happening. So that might be interesting. Yeah, and yeah, like you, I think you're right. When when there's a, an introduction of a new character that Spider Man is going to have to, you know, get to know and become friends with in order to try to you know back him up and and get his life straightened out. And obviously, and you know, I guess we should probably talk about what the what happened at the ending was that Mysterio, you know, he he framed Spider Man for being the guy that was at fault for all of the events that happened in I think it was London. Yeah, at the end of Far From Home, and even though Mysterio obviously was the guy that did it all he made it look like, I mean, Mysterio is an illusionist. He made it look like that Spider-Man was the guy to blame for it all. And that he's actually a bad guy and that he's Peter Parker. Um, but I think you're right when it comes to their, they have to introduce a new character. So I kind of have three ideas with what could happen. Okay. And maybe you thought of these as well. I think you could see one of these two things happen being daredevil or she Hulk, because both of them are lawyers Yep. and Spider-Man's going to need a lawyer. So I think maybe you could see one of them show up. I, I'm a big fan of Daredevil. I, uh, he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. So obviously I would be totally down if we saw Daredevil in this movie. I don't know if that would be the same Daredevil from the Netflix TV show um, or if it would be a recast or what. I'd be totally down if it was the same guy. But She-Hulk, I don't know a ton about She-Hulk. Uh, I'd be fine with it. I, I, I'm always down for them to introduce whoever. I don't... and I. I'm always down to see who plays the character as well. But I think those are two things that could happen. The other one I think that could happen is they bring Doctor Strange into this and maybe he somehow uses his magic to kind of, you know, somehow erase everybody's minds. Yeah. But I also kind of hope that doesn't happen because that would be too easy of a solution. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think they can make it a little too funny too. He's like he's like, Hey, uh, Doctor Strange, I need you to kinda, you know, erase everybody's mind. I'm fine. <laughs> you can trust me. Don't worry about it. And then he just, you know, snaps his fingers like Thanos and everybody is uh, back to normal. Yeah. Everybody forgets it. I kind of want the movie to be about, you know, Spider-Man's identity and him trying to, you know, save himself and re and regain everybody's trust again. Yes. But I also think you could see a, a really interesting villain for this movie. And I think if they don't do it, it'd be a big letdown. But I think they need to bring in Kraven the Hunter. Dude, I think that's 100% spot on, too. Just because if Spider-Man's on the run. Yeah. Think about it. Like the person that is starving for the attention, loves the, the, the thrill of the chase, Craven the Hunter, dude, that's the guy that wants to take him out. Wants the, the, you know, pomp that comes with taking down Spider-Man who's supposedly this villain, um, that, you know, everybody thinks he is and he knows his identity now. So he's not going to stop until he takes him down. I think that's, oh, I think that's a hundred percent perfect. I think that'd be great. I mean, he's he's the perfect villain. If I had to have any actor play this character, Jason Momoa, Ooh, hands down. Yes. Oh, shoot. he would be awesome. I mean, he is Aquaman, but there are so many people that have played multiple. Come on, comic he, book he characters. He'd be good. I mean, you can't you can't cross over Aquaman <laughs> yeah, with Spider Man, <laughs> but but Jason Momoa would be great as uh, as Craven. That'd be awesome, dude. He look he looks the part too very well. He does. He does. So what are what are your kind of thoughts on um, any of these characters that could possibly be introduced or 
you know, help Peter Parker solve his issue. Yeah, no, I like it. So almost kind of going back to what we were talking about before, I think the most likely one, the easiest choice, well, not the easiest, the easiest choice obviously is Doctor Strange wiping everybody, but Daredevil would be an easy choice because he's already kind of in a little bit of MCU kind of realm there. They could bring him back in very easily. Don't need too much explanation as far as he's concerned. And then it could also introduce the Kingpin as one, another person of the Sinister yeah. Six. And then Kingpin, I didn't think about that dude, one. Kingpin could be the organizer of all of it and just be like, dude, we need to take this guy down. He's been messing up anything that we've been going on. So he's got, you know, you got Kingpin and you'd have Craven and then you'd have um, Venom and and uh, Morbius. I mean, I don't know if those guys would be in it as far as the Sinister Six. Those aren't the, the OGs of them, but... Dude, yeah. Kingpin to organize them all with his power would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you think Mysterio is still alive? Because I lean towards yes very heavily. I actually want to say yes, too, because of that, like him sending out that last videotape and then all the illusions that he had from beginning with. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He fooled every like, dude. Like you said, I knew Mysterio was a bad guy. Right. So the yeah. whole time I'm like, something's not right here. Something seems very fishy. He is in contact with, you know, Nick Fury and he's talking with all these people like what is going on here to make him believe that all these things are happening. And you know, then all of a sudden the big reveal happens. And you're like, oh, massive setup. OK, so right. I think that the death of Mysterio is also fake, too. And I think Mysterio is also one of the founding members of the Sinister Six, too. So I think that he would have a vendetta against Spider-Man knowing his identity now and want to jump in and put his hat in there too as well. So I think that, yeah, I think he, he'd have to be still alive for a little bit. Yeah. And so talking about the sinister six, I think you'll see it. This movie is going to be another setup for the sinister six. I don't think we will see sinister six, you know, in full show up until maybe the fourth Spider-Man movie, maybe even its own movie. I, I don't, really think that would happen. I think it's going to be more likely that it's a fourth Spider-Man movie and that's who he's, you know, that's the story of the movie. He's fighting the Sinister Six. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think Mysterio's alive. I think he is a founding member of the Sinister Six. So I think there are a lot of directions they could kind of take the Sinister Six as well because I think the Vulture is going to be a member mm -hmm. in it yep. um, because obviously he's still alive and at the post credit scene of Homecoming, he's talking to Scorpion. Yep. So I think those are going to be two members. And I think you've got those two that are for sure. They're a lock. And same for Mysterio. I think you got three characters right there that are a lock. Obviously, we've got this Spider-Man universe where we've got Venom and Morbius. I'm not entirely sure if they're going to be members of a Sinister Six because I think they might be their own little pocket universe yep. inside the MCU, but kind of exists inside of Sony. Uh, so I think whoever they introduce in Spider-Man 3, whether it's Kraven or somebody else, I think that's going to be somebody else that's a member of the Sinister Six. Then I think at, if they kind of maybe say they introduce either uh, Norman Osborn or Odell Octavius in Spider-Man 3 somehow as maybe like a mentor figure. Yeah. Maybe not a mentor, but, you know, a side character or some, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then at, in the fourth one, they kind of bring all these characters together and Sinister Six. I don't know, though, whether it'd be Norman Osborn or... Or uh, Otto Octavius. I know Otto Octavius is the guy, you know, he's the main leader of the Sinister Six yeah. in the comics. But, or the original Sinister Six, at least. Yes, yes. You're, yeah, you're right. You're right. But there's a lot of different paths and that are still kind of unclear just because we don't exactly know what's going to happen in this movie yet with the Sinister Six. Dude, and that, that Norman Osborn appearance would also tie into the Avengers. 
Like that is a connection yeah. that's already there with the Dark Avengers and how he continues to take over with that. Dude, he is a another key point too. Yeah. So bringing back Norman Osborn to that, or that might be uh, where he finds Solus or he finds some escape from people trying to track him down for his identity. Maybe he kind of jumps yeah. in with the Osborn family and is like, dude, I need some help. Hey, we got some money. We can shield you from some stuff. Gets friends with him and Harry and all kinds of stuff. Dude, that could be a big uh, turn to. You're right. There's a lot of directions they can go with this. Yeah, and it's very possible that they could go the Norman Osborn direction because at the end, you know that there's a building that's under construction. Mm-hmm. The old Avengers Tower is under construction as it's being remodeled. And there's three possibilities. One, it's Norman Osborn. It's the Osborn Tower yep. or the Oscorp Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's the... Um, the Baxter Tower, yep. which would be the Fantastic Four yeah. connection, or three, it's just it's just randomly under construction. It's being rebuilt as something else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not what they're going to do, but it's a possibility. Um, so, if they go the Norman Osborn route, that's what's going to happen. If they want to connect Fantastic Four, because that is something that's going to happen in Marvel Universe as well, it's already confirmed. Uh, one of those two things is um, is a definite. But if they do want to take the Norman Osborn route, then it'll be the Oscorp mm-hmm. Tower. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different interesting things that could happen with all of the villains here, or even a Fantastic Four setup as well. So many good ideas, dude. That's awesome. There's so many good things that could come out of this movie that is a huge, it's huge potential for a lot of stuff. That's great. Yeah. So the other thing I really want to see out of this movie is that the first, these two uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies we've gotten, even though they're great, they're not really traditional Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think Spider-Man, you kind of think the atmosphere of the Sam Raimi movies. Because they really, you know, they just, they captured the Spider-Man feel. Tobey Maguire is my favorite Spider-Man. Tom Holland is. But those movies did capture the Spider-Man feel really well. I mean, he's swinging on skyscrapers and all that type of stuff. Uh, So I'm kind of hoping that this movie takes that direction. And I I think it's safe enough now where you could, we've, we know Tom Holland is his own version of Spider-Man now. He's done his own thing. We haven't even acknowledged Uncle Ben yet. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to kind of start doing stuff like that where we get to hear him, you know, kind of talk about uncle Ben mention his origin story and, you know, kind of do the traditional Spider-Man things. We know that Spider-Man does like swing on skyscrapers in, in New York and stuff like that. Is that something you've, you've missed as well from these two movies? I have, you know, it's not, it's funny. Now that you mentioned it there, right, you're right. When you, when you went into, when we started the first Spider-Man of this Tom Holland series, it was like, boom, he's already here. We're doing all kinds of stuff. It's going to be great. And there wasn't that much of an origin story. Right. So I wonder if two movies in now, if this third one might do some a little bit of backstory and try to talk about, hey, this is how it all started off. Even if it's just like quick clips here and there, like a flashback every once in a while. Um, and then you're right, the Uncle Ben thing, just like, hey, how did I get to this point? Because I think people are just assuming they, I mean, they probably already do. They just know about Spider-Man from all the other movies that they don't have to worry about setting it up, and he just jumped right in, which was yeah. great. I think that was, might have been to a great advantage for um, just this series, but I think explaining might be a little bit helpful and might help develop some different backgrounds or his character when it comes to some of these things that are happening to him now. So that might be a great setup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you're right. They, I think it is something that needs to be touched on now because of everything that's going on with Peter Parker. You know, I mean, nobody's on his side anymore, and I think it'd be it's the perfect time to kind of go back and have him, you know, explore his origin story a bit more and kind of retrace his origins to, you know, you know, find, you know, some ground that he can kind of land on, you know, I have very high hopes for Spider-Man three and that, that post-credit scene where they revealed 
Peter Parker's identity. Greatest post credit scene of all time. Oh, dude. Oh, it just made you want to stay there like, yeah. wait, is the, is the next movie starting? Because I want to see it right now. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm really looking forward to Spider-Man 3, one of my most anticipated movies of the next two years, for sure. It's going to be awesome. So next one. So the rest of these, we're, we're just going to talk about Marvel movies from here on yeah. out. They're easy <laughs> to predict. Uh, this whole second half of this episode is going to be Marvel movies. Um, so wh- whether you like it or not, it's happening. Uh, so <laughs> Too late, dude. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> yep. So uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Thor Love and Thunder. The original release date for this was November 5th, 2021, which is now the release date Spider-Man 3 has. And the current release date is now February 11th of uh, oh, 2022. Yeah. Um, so that got pushed back. And I was kind of shocked that that was the movie we were actually getting. When they went and announced all the Phase 4 movies, I really didn't expect to see a fourth Thor movie. Yeah, you're right. Um, just because of how divisive and inconsistent those movies have been. But I also kind of wasn't surprised at the same time because Thor Ragnarok was very uh, successful. It had Most people were totally on board with that movie because it kind of felt like Guardians of the Galaxy. It was really funny and goofy and vibrant. And I was just like, eh. Yeah, too goofy. Yeah. I th- Not my yeah, thing. Yeah, they did too much with that one. I think too with the with the humor, kind of like a venom kind of thing. They did have some dark moments though. They had some dark moments a little bit. Yeah, when they when they you know when she took his eye out and stuff like that. But yeah, um, but so the unfortunate thing for me is that I heard that Thor: Love and Thunder is going to kind of it's like they they're taking Ragnarok and just kicking it up like ten levels or something like that. And I was oh, like, man. no, come on. Um, and, and Taika Waititi, it makes sense. He's the director of um, Thor Ragnarok, and he's coming back. I mean, and his movies are generally goofy, and that's fine. And I get a lot; it works for a lot of people. It's just not my thing. I have a hard time buying into that type of humor. Yeah. Um, but there are some interesting things that have me intrigued about this movie. So, so obvious thing here is that Jane Foster is coming back. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been a, a prominent character really since The Dark World, yep. Thor: The Dark World, back in two thousand and fourteen. And she wasn't in Ragnarok. You saw a glimpse of her in Endgame yep. and, like, and kind of the, the time travel sequence. Yep. Um, but she's coming back. And I know there are some stories um, in the comics of how they bring her back. And she does become a version of Thor. Yes. So I don't know. Maybe you know a little bit more about that than I do. Um, but what what are your thoughts on that? I think that this might be the in some ways the I don't even know, I don't even know if you're passing the mantle because I think Thor has to do some some stuff still but like I think Jane Foster obtains some type of uh, abilities like Thor does and uh, and obtains yeah. a type of hammer um, to kind of pass the mantle on to her so to speak and I think that's what ends up happening in this I if I remember correctly and like there's a couple of things that happen in sequence, but there is a group of like Asgardian Thor type characters that end up kind of coming together as an affiliated group to, um, you know, fight crime or whatever in the galaxy, things like that. Um, so that might be something that they slowly start to introduce um, that might kind of put a cosmic feel on it so those characters can work together. Um, so that's what I'm thinking might happen with this one. And that way, Thor doesn't necessarily have to defend the new Asgard that's now on Earth, um, right? And kind of go from there. So that might be something interesting that we might see. Uh, they try to develop at least. Yeah, one of the things I read about uh, Jane Foster coming back was that there is some storyline that revolved around her having cancer. Oh, and I was like, so then why is this movie funny? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? that's- laughs> 
very dark. That's very dark. Maybe it's something that they just mentioned in the beginning, and then you know Thor, you know, uh, crosses paths with her, and he's like, "Oh, boom, you're healed," or yeah. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so there's something about then I maybe I read I can't remember exactly how this played out, but I think I might have read that that was debunked, but could still be a possibility. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see how they come back or how they bring Jane Foster back, especially because they haven't really mentioned her all that much since uh, Thor of the Dark Very World. Um, but it's not really something I have a lot of insight on. I don't really know a ton about Jane Foster's character because Thor isn't necessarily one of my favorite Avengers. I like the character, but there's other characters that I know more about their backstory, yeah. you know. Yep. yep. But I do think, it, you know, there's also Loki. So Loki, obviously, in Endgame, you know, he kind of created an alternate timeline and we're getting his own TV show. So I don't know. I mean, do you think we'll see Loki in as a prominent role in, in Thor love and thunder? Man, I don't know. That's a hard one. I think his, his TV series might be like his relationship with Thor growing up and that kind of stuff. But I don't know if we'll see him in love and thunder. Now he is dude, a master of deception. So there's gotta be some way they can bring it back. There's always a way, you know, who knows? well, I'm trying to think of the snap. The snap brought all the people back that were taken in, during the snap, so it didn't necessarily bring him back because um, that's right. like him and Heimdall and those kinds of guys were kind of taken down um, when they were aboard the ship. But man, that's a tough one. I would, I mean, dude, he was a good character. I would love to see him come back somehow. Yeah, yeah, I'm always down to see Loki. He's a great villain. And you know, they they've done the time machine thing. I wonder if they'll try to step into some type of cosmic realm. Um, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit in, in, in some of our upcoming ones that we're talking about here, but like maybe they'll figure out uh, the different infinity stones and like the soul stone. They'll be able to figure out how to bring people back to life or something that in that that respect, which might actually bring back like Black Widow yeah. or something like that, too. So those are some things that they might try to start touching on now that they've already done the whole time travel thing. And yeah. people are like, oh, it can happen. It's OK. So it's a possibility that we could see Loki, but I I don't know. Part of me is like, nah, we won't see it. We'll just it'll just be focused on Thor and Jane Foster mainly. Yeah, and like Valkyrie and, and yes, all those exactly. types of characters. I think there's going to be a lot that's going to happen in Thor: Love and Thunder, and I don't know if I'm prepared for it just because I feel like that movie is going to be a total sensory overload for me <laughs> with all the colors and the the jokes and the plots, and, and there's just going to be. I feel like this is this movie is going to be a lot to take yeah. in. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm um, with you. And that. some people are going to be totally on board, and then people like me, I think they might just kind of hit and and slightly touch on major topics, and I'm like, oh, I want more serious things. Come on, yeah, give me something serious. Yeah. And then this is going to be, you know, kind of blown over by a, a joke. But no, I think you're right, though. I'm, it might be one of those movies where I just watch once just so I can keep it with the sequence and then just be like, all right, peace. All right, I'm good with that. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are on board with uh, this direction that Thor is taking in. But, the you know, Thor is kind of a character that's been kind of inconsistent with the, the tone that surrounds his character throughout all these movies because you kind of had him as like the fish out of water, dude. Yeah. In the first, in the first one, and then the second one, it was kind of uh, more mythology based, more um, centered around Asgard. It's more serious. Yeah. It was darker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he's always been kind of funny, but then Ragnarok started. It was like, whoa, you're different. This is this is very funny. Who are you? What did you do with Thor? Yeah. Your hair shorter, <laughs> you know. Um, so. I mean, there's just a lot of, and then and then you got Infinity War, and you got a very serious Thor. Yes dark and he, and he was grieving yeah and he got serious most of the like after that like very serious all the way through after that and you're like oh crap but then in game happened 
Yeah, yeah. And then there's Thor, and then there's <laughs> Thor, and he was funny again, and he was and he was fat. And everybody's like, "What the crap? Is he gonna get skinny?" It's like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I kind of thought that, like, you know, an Endgame where they 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 get to Thanos at the end of the movie, and you know, he called the lightning down, whatever. I was like, is that gonna like shred the fat? That'd be strange, but cool. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, but but then you got Thor, you know, running around with Stormbreaker, and he's a, you got a beer gut. So I, I I don't know. Do you think he'll still be fat in Thor: Love and Thunder? I feel like there's so much. I don't know if it's backlash as much, but people just didn't like it. I want to feel like I feel like they're gonna try to do something with that and try to take it away somehow. There's gotta be. There's gotta take it away. I feel like what's gonna happen is you're gonna have like a prelude in the movie, kind of like an, an opening sequence where he is still fat. And then I think you're going to kind of have him make a decision at the end where he kind of wants to get himself back together. And then there's going to be like the opening Marvel crawl. Yeah, okay. And then in the beginning of that, he's all right. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's, you know, he's yoked again. Yeah, back, back, back to the chisel self. <laughs> yeah. Where he can grade cheese with his abs or whatever it is that he does. Yes. So um, I think something like uh, maybe that happens. But if they really want to keep it super funny, maybe they keep him fat. Yeah, that's what TD thing. He's he's got to figure out what he wants to do with that, what direction he wants to move with it. It would be, I think it would be kind of funny, and I think there could be a good joke if Jane Foster sees Thor and he's really that, fat, yes, that is, and she hasn't seen him in a long that time. That could be pretty funny. But I, I do want to like I do want the real Thor back. Yeah. Nothing against fatness. <laughs> it's just it's just, just not Thor. We just wanted we just wanted Thor. He was supposed to be a Greek. He's a freaking like Greek god. Like come on. He's yeah exactly. Um, so the most interesting thing about this movie to me is that Christian Bale's in it, which was kind of a surprise yeah. like Christian Bale and, and, you know, in a Thor movie, but it was confirmed by an actress that the actress that plays Valkyrie okay. that Christian Bale is playing the villain. So it's kind of like, but we don't know who the villain is. So it's kind of like, who is he playing? We don't really know. There's a lot of different directions they could go here. Like with Thor villains, there's better Ray bill who starts off as a villain. Mm -hmm. And there's also Gore the God Butcher. Mm -hmm. But if they want to kind of tie things into more of like who the next big bad is, which we all are kind of under the opinion that that's going to be Galactus, maybe he's, you know, somebody like Silver Surfer. Okay. You yeah, know, I could see that too. What are, who, who do you kind of think he's, he's going to play? So, uh, dude, that's because Christian Bale is such a great actor. It could be any one of those. However, I could see just because this is another Thor movie, and I know they had, uh, I forget what the villain's name in Ragnarok was, that big guy that just ended up destroying Asgard. He could be, there's another series that I, that I found out, the Fury Itself series, where Odin's brother, Kull, is, comes back and he wreaks havoc on Asgard as well, and in the process sends a series of uh, worthy hammers to Earth to like mess that up. He could be a possible one, but that would be another tie. And I know they're trying to do it separate as far as like cosmic heroes versus Earth heroes, I think now in the MCU. But like, yeah, they it could be uh, another tie into, you know, the relatives of the Asgardians to try to keep it in within that Thor series. Um, but you're right. They could also go out on a limb and go with like a beta ray bill because that's another character that still fits within that. He has a hammer as well. And they could also fit in. And it could also be like the introduction to Jane Foster becoming one of the uh, Thor like legions or whatever. But yeah. there's some good. But Christian Bale, dude, ah, he's he's such a beast. Like I could see him. Silver Surfer would fit with Silver Surfer and Doctor Doom would fit with like the theme of 
kind of coming in with Fantastic Four and stuff. So I could see that beginning and then almost having that why that way Galactus could be the puppet master behind most of it. So I could see Silver Surfer or Doctor Doom, but there's a possibility. I feel like the the Silver Surfer I don't know. It's it's that's a tough one to call. It is tough. I'm really curious to see who he plays. I kind of think it's going to be somebody I think it's more likely he's going to be Gore the God Butcher or Better Ray Bill okay. or somebody more along those lines that's more uh, solely connected to the Thor franchise. Yep. Uh, yep. Villains, yep. you know. But there's a part of me that thinks it could be really cool to see him as Silver Surfer, but there's also rumors going around that this would be really cool, that Keanu Reeves could be playing Silver Surfer in, in, in a different movie. And I was like, if Keanu Reeves is going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe... I think Silver Surfer is uh, like the perfect choice for yeah. him. I think that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he is, if Christian Bale is going to play somebody like Silver Surfer or Doctor Doom or whatever, they they would definitely be pushing for more of the setup for Galactus. Uh, I don't know if it's too early to do that or not because they did say it's going to be like another ten years till we have another like end game level of an event. Um, so that's kind of why I think it's going to be somebody more along the lines of Gore the God Butcher or Better Ray Bill. But I do think it is still, I think it's still in the realm of a possibility that he could be playing somebody like Silver Surfer or Doctor Doom or whatever. Yeah, dude, that's actually, that's a good point. I think it might stay within the Thor realm because I think people might be anticipating it to push to something else. I think you're right. I think it might stay within some type of Asgardian uh, feel to kind of keep it within that movie so it doesn't have to out- reach out this far. I think that's a good call. But yeah, so I'm really excited about Thor Love and Thunder to an extent. I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of what, what things are going to explore, but I'm just not exactly looking forward to the, the the goofiness of this Thor franchise continuing, you know. Yeah, I hope they have a different wave of it just just because we, yeah. we, we need a break from it. I think it's really what I want to say. We need a break from Thor's yeah unsure like unsure of his character we're still unsure of how he really is coming coming out because he's got some good moments right. and we're like sweet dude you're awesome yeah and there's some moments where we're like okay that's definitely out of character or is it your character or we're not sure so yeah yeah he's just been kind of inconsistent but i i'm still intrigued and looking forward to seeing you know what happens next so moving on to Another one that I'm really excited for is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Let's go. So this Doctor Strange sequel was supposed to come out May 7th of next year. Then it got pushed back to November 5th. But then you you had they kind of had to reorganize everything. Or November 5th, 2021. But then they kind of had to reorganize everything because of Spider-Man didn't get its release date pushed back because it has shared rights with Sony. So once they did that... Then they push Doctor Strange and Multiverse Madness back to November 25th, 2022. So it's kind of been all over the place. Uh, so it's going to be a while until we see it, but it's still a very interesting movie. There's been a lot of things going on behind the scenes with this one that are interesting, such as directors changing and you know, kind of who's going to be in this movie and stuff like that. The first thing I want to talk about with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is that they announced at Comic-Con last year that this is going to be the closest thing we get to a horror movie inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So my question is, and I think this is something you're probably wondering as well, is how much of a horror movie will this really be? Because I'm pretty sure it's still going to have the PG-13 rating. Yeah, that's true. I almost feel like it's it's funny how we talked about it before, like almost like a a quiet place kind of feel like quiet place wasn't extremely gory or like crazy, but it is, it, it is considered a horror film. So much suspense in there. I feel like this might be 
the MCU's way of kind of doing dealing with that as well. Like a lot of suspense, a lot of possible scary moments, um, jump scare probably try to do what they can with you. But dude, there's a lot of unknowns. And I think with the unknowns of the multiverse of madness might be something that they try to capitalize on for horror film, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, in the first Doctor Strange, you know, kind of had some some trippy moments. Yeah. Um, so I could totally see how they could have like this natural bridge that they where they kind of cross this bridge to make it a little bit more suspenseful and a, and a little bit darker and scarier. And I'm really hoping that they do that. And I really want them to take risks with this movie because it's the multiverse of madness. I mean, this movie is going to be crazy, jam packed with action. It's going to be it's going to be a heavy movie and it's going to be different for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The other thing that is uh, very obvious about this movie is that uh, it's going to be there's going to be some tie-ins from the WandaVision TV show, which is the TV show centered around Scarlet Witch and Vision. Scarlet Witch is going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it kind of makes me wonder are we going to get to learn more about Wanda and what her powers are? Yes. Is she going to, you know, really become the Scarlet Witch? Are we going to get some hints at or some hints towards the House of M storyline? You know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that could happen with her character. And you're really familiar with X-Men. Yes. So yes. Um, and, and mutants in general. So what what are your thoughts on on that? Dude, so the WandaVision is going to be gr- is great because I've heard a lot of rumors about a lot of stuff with that. And if it ties in with Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, that'd be awesome. So yeah, obviously the House of N, I think everybody knows that magneto is the father of wanda maximoff and pietro maximoff who was in uh avengers age of ultron as quicksilver so they are twins that um obviously have mutant abilities uh derived from magneto um but i think i've heard that they they don't want to bring in magneto just yet however they want to bring in like this might be the time where there's a lot of different twists and turns like the different characters that you see play different roles. So maybe you'll see like an Andrew Garfield show up at some point because there's this crazy multiverse or a cameo of a character who played another character back in another life. Like I would love if they just brought in Chris Evans as Human Torch for a little bit or something like that. Just some crazy. Dude, yeah. <laughs> but like I think you might see some interesting twist because of the multiverse madness, so to speak. And I almost feel like they're in the horror side of it. And like another thought would would be that he explored the different possibilities at the end of Endgame as to what might have happened. Yeah. And so that not that one chance that we saw at Endgame, but the other possibilities, like what would have happened if, you know, and not, not I mean, there's the what if series that's coming, but like that would be great to be brought in. But with regarding like the X-Men and stuff, that would be awesome to kind of have them tie in and see different ones. Because there's, tra- there's time traveling X-Men and stuff like that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, that go between. So you have like your cables and your bishops and that, you know, go time travel between different things um, and mess up the storyline um, to kind of go over that. Kind of like what we've seen in some of the X-Men series earlier on these newer X-Men series. But, dude, this could be so good. I feel like this one might blow uh, uh, up the MCU in regarding introducing characters and making it uh, legitimate, so to speak, because yeah. you're investing in different universes and um, all kinds of stuff. So that could be incredible, incredible. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I think there's some truth to what you're saying about how um, they could bring in characters from like other you know universes or whatever. I mean, because this is a major thing to know about Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. So I talked about earlier how there are some, um, an issue going on with who's directing this movie. 
Scott Derrickson, who is known to be a horror director, directed the first Doctor Strange. So he was on board to direct Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Then some creative differences kind of fell in place between him and Marvel, and he stepped down. And then the guy that replaces him is Sam Raimi, who directed the original Spider-Man trilogy. So, inside of the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, I believe it was in the second one, there's a scene with Jonah Jameson where they are talking about um, what they could call Dr. Octopus in the news article. And he's like, and some, and the guy goes, Dr. Strange. And, and J. Jonah Jameson says, good, but taken. And, <laughs> and, and I was like, what? And so, and then you hear Sam Raimi comment on that. He says that he wished that he would have known when he made that movie that he was going to be directing Doctor Strange in the future. So to me, that says that there's going to be some sort of connection because he said he wished he would have known and now he knows and he can do something with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it makes me wonder, could this be like the, the connection with a Spider-Verse where we see Tom Holland interact with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, or even potentially Andrew Garfield? And Sony has even commented on that. Sony has said that they thought about it before, but it was just too early and I was like, "This, if you if you want to do it, this is the time." Yeah, Doctor it. Strange and Multiverse of Madness in 2022. This is when to do it. So, I mean, it kind of makes me wonder how deep into the multiverse are we going? Like, are yeah. we going to go for it, or are we going to play safe? I don't want to play safe. No, I th- I think you're. Right. I think they need to go for it. I really do. And I think that yes, I think they need to go for it hard, and they need to go for it now because it would make everybody it would just make everybody happy so to speak but once again it's supposed to be a horror film so i don't know how they're planning on doing that um yeah but to throw in the cameos would make it really cool so sam raimi he directed the evil dead movies okay and i'm not a fan of that type of horror but he did direct those so he knows what to do with horror movies and he also directed the spider-man trilogy the original one and he can do comic book movies mm-hmm. he can do horror movies perfect guy for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I didn't know who they were going to... Like, I saw Scott Derrickson dropped out, and I was like, dang it. Now I don't know what they're going to do with this movie, and it's going to suck. I didn't even know who they were going to who they were gonna pick to replace him. And then they picked Sam Raimi, and I was like, yes. This makes total sense. Yep. This is going to be awesome, and I'm even more excited now. So, last thing about this movie I kind of want to talk about is who do you think the villain's going to be? I kind of lean more towards Nightmare, but I see a lot of people think that's too obvious, and that's not going to happen, but okay. I feel like Nightmare is the best choice i think that'd be the yeah i think it'd be the easiest choice it just makes sense um i mean come on it's you're 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 messing with the multiverse here so you got to be able to go that way and go that direction pretty easily yeah um and then you can kind of set things up as you want no i think i think that's a a great i'm actually looking forward to this one now though because it's supposed to be just cut differently from the rest of the movies too it's gonna be nuts so i I love it i love i'm excited it's awesome that's really good yeah it's gonna be a great one so Next is uh, the next movie we're going to talk about is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Now, this doesn't have a release date. Uh, this is one of the movies that Marvel announced they're going to do. We're going to talk about this one and another one. Uh, and, that, and these are the last two we're doing. But um, this is one that they announced they're going to do, just not a release date yet. You know more about Guardians of the Galaxy than I do. Yeah. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Dude, Feige is huge on making not well-known affiliations or groups well-known so like everybody knows who guardians of the galaxy is now but like before nobody knew who in the world these people were exactly however the end of that guardians of the galaxy 2 post-credit scene i forget who it is i think it's the supreme ruler or whatever they call her those that like gold race of people she's like depressed because obviously she got her butt kicked by guardians of the galaxy and she's got this pod 
this pod, she says, I think I'm going to name him Adam, referring to Adam, Adam Warlock, Warlock, which is one of, yeah, one of the most like powerful cosmic beings in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And actually, Adam Warlock goes up against Thanos a lot. However, Warlock is actually his own worst enemy because he has the soul gem or the soul stone embedded into his into like his forehead or some type of stone. I think they refer to it as a soul stone in like some of the cartoon series and stuff too. That's interesting because his vision kind of had the soul stone. Yes, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So it's a it's a weird flip, and he and he can what he does is he can actually entrap people into that soul stone. And kind of keep them there. But over time, as he gains people with like a lot of big powers or they're just uncontrollable or they have a strong sense of emotion, that kind of thing, it turns him to like an evil character named Magus. And Magus is one that um, is obviously just as powerful as Alex Warlock, um, but the reverse. You know, so he just wants complete power, complete destruction. And so they go back and forth. And so the Guardians of the Galaxy are huge in trying to make sure he stays on the good side kind of thing. Almost kind of like a Hulk's beginnings where Hulk just kind of smashed everything, just destroyed anything, didn't really know what he was doing. So kind of like Alex Warlock there. So I think that might be the beginning. I think, um, if I remember correctly, Feige wanted to introduce Warlock in the second Guardians of the Galaxy, but there was so much already going on. Yeah, there was a lot of that. No, let's just wave it. Yeah. So he said, just let's, let's wait and not do it, not touch on it right now. We'll introduce him later on. So I think this is going to be the one where they're like, all right, here we go. Alex Warlock, here we go. Let's go with this one. And this will kind of keep them in space and in the cosmic realm of stuff. I also think they might introduce uh, Nova. So in end, no, Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, Nova, that's another one as well, yeah. Yeah, so in Infinity War, somehow Thanos got the stone from Xandar, the power stone, right? Right. And they don't know how he got that. Now, the Nova Corps is just like a regular police force, space police force that they had there. But Nova has a special helmet, and there's only like a couple of them in the universe. And you put it on, you get all these cosmic powers. And the guy that originally has it, I think, ends up dying or gets killed by Thanos. And his son gets it, Jesse Alexander, gets the the helmet on Earth and then going to help fight with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they fight Thanos and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So I almost want to say that they might introduce a little bit of beginnings of Nova um, in this one as well, just to kind of help set up some cosmic battles and some cosmic wars feel um, in Guardians of the Galaxy. But yeah, those are, I mean, those are some big thoughts uh, for me in that movie per se. Yeah, I, I could totally see them kind of taking the Adam Warlock route with a plot or even Nova as well. I mean, those are two characters that I hear you know, talked about a lot. It's like, when are they going to bring these two characters in there? Because they're both very powerful characters, Yep, especially Adam Warlock. And yeah, I mean, that could be really interesting. One of the questions I have with this movie regard is regarding to the setup that they did at the end of Endgame. And it's kind of like, how soon after Avengers Endgame is this movie going to be? Yeah. Because it's obviously, this movie doesn't have a release date. So it's going to come after a lot of movies that are going to be post-Endgame. So is this going to kind of go back in time and be very soon after Endgame? Or is, it, is there going to be a time gap? Yeah, you know, it also kind of makes me wonder... Because at the in that setup, you know the whole situation with Gamora. They have Gamora back now from the past. Yes, and she's brought to the present, and now she's kind of on her own little side journey. And obviously, Peter Quill, Star Lord, wants to find her because he's in love with her. So it kind of makes me wonder: Is Guardians of the Galaxy three going to be centered around him trying to find her and somehow convince the past Gamora that she's supposed to be with 
present Peter Quill. Yeah, see that dude. That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah, I could see because like even with the whole Adam like Adam or like Soul Stone thing in his head, and I don't know how much they'll go into that, but like he was able to bring characters out of that Soul Stone as well. It was like this weird place. It was like this weird land that was inside of his Soul Stone, inside of his mind that his mind created. I wonder if he'll be able to bring Gamora back, the old Gamora back. Once again, they've already done the time travel. They're going to do some cosmic stuff here, so maybe that might be a something that they bring back, or maybe the Gamora that hangs with them just kind of ends up staying. But that just seems odd. You know, she traveled out yeah. many years in the future. It just seems wrong. It's just hanging out with them. That's weird. Yeah. The other thing I kind of I've kind of wondered about is uh, obviously this this is uh, another thing that ties into the 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 setup they had at the end of Avengers Endgame. Thor was, you know, hopping in their spaceship yeah. with them. Fat Thor. <laughs> Fat Thor. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and he makes a joke about the Asgardians of the Galaxy. Is is Thor gonna be, you know, in in Guardians of the Galaxy three, or even um, is the Guardians of the Galaxy? Are they gonna be in Thor: Love and Thunder? Yeah, dude, you know, I mean, are, is this gonna be a, a a mashup that we see more often? You know, I I don't know, dude. You're right. I think that's that's a good one too because since Thor: Love and Thunder comes before Guardians of the Galaxy, like how is that gonna tie? Like, is Thor gonna go back to the new Asgard after his travels, or does Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy? That release is that actually occur timeline wise before Love and Thunder, so that it helps set it up, dude. That's a that's another MCU thing that they maybe they're kind of throwing around timelines to kind of make you think about, hey, this actually happened. This actually all occurred before, and then as a result of what happened in the Guardians of the Galaxy three, we'll go back to Love and Thunder, and you guys can see what happened there. So that's a good that's a good yeah. thought there. Yeah, I think uh, you know what, what you just talked about. I think we'll definitely see a lot more of this time travel element, you know, multi multiverse uh, and all this other stuff become more prominent inside of the Marvel universe. And I think Marvel knows what they're doing, and it sounds like it's all going to be confusing. Yeah. But I think they'll make it in, in a way where everybody's still going to be on board. I've got full trust in Marvel with what with the direction they're going with everything. Yeah. So last one we we're going to talk about today is the reboot of Fantastic Four inside of the Marvel universe. So this is, this will be the second reboot because we had the first two original Fantastic Four movies. There was like this old one that really didn't end up no. working out. I don't even <laughs> think it was actually released. Uh, but then you got the ones from like the mid 2000s. Um, the, those, there was two mm-hmm. of those. And then they did the, 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 ugh, the, the reboot <laughs> in, um, what was it? I think 2015, 2016 oh, or whatever. I think it was 2015. I think that's when it was. That one was awful. That was the worst superhero movie yeah, I've ever seen in my bad. entire life. It just got everything wrong. It was so bad. But I've been really looking forward to seeing Marvel take on Fantastic Four inside of this giant universe that they've been building up forever. And so a lot of this, we don't we don't really know a plot for this movie because we don't really we haven't seen any of these characters yet inside of this universe. So a lot of this is going to be centered around kind of fan casting and how they could tie in with other movies. But if you are familiar with Fantastic Four and if you keep up with news regarding the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then you'll probably know which actors are in the running for these characters. Uh, The obvious rumor that's going around is that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are going to be cast as Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman. I think that is absolutely perfect because they're, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome actors. And they're married in real life, and they'd be playing a, a married couple, just like we see in A Quiet yep. Place. And um, obviously, their chemistry is great. One, because they're married. Two, because you know their chemistry is great. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I think John Krasinski would be perfect for Mr. Fantastic. And I think Emily Blunt would be uh, really good as Invisible Woman as yep. well. The other option that's been going around is for Human Torch is that Zac Efron will play Human Torch. Totally down for that. I think he, he'd be perfect for that role. Um, I haven't really heard a lot of rumors for Thing because every time somebody throws out a rumor for Thing, that person ends up getting cast somewhere else inside the MCU. Like David Harbour from Stranger... Uh, the actor that played Hopper from Stranger Things. A lot of people wanted him to play the thing, but then he got cast as Red Guardian in Black yep. Widow. So if I had to pick which actors I want to play Fantastic Four inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would want John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, Emily Blunt as Invisible Woman. Um, I'm totally okay with Zac Efron playing Human Torch, but I kind of want somebody that's a little closer to Tom Holland's age. True. Because yeah. Human Torch and Spider-Man are supposed to be really good friends. And they're they're closer in age because they relate in ways. Zac Efron is like 10 years older than Tom Holland. So uh, back to Stranger Things, I think that Dacre Montgomery, who played Billy from Stranger Things, would be a great human torch. I also think Joe Keery, who played Steve from Stranger Things, would be a great human torch. So I'm okay with Zac Efron, Dacre Montgomery, or Joe Keery playing human torch. The thing... Uh, I would have picked David Harbour as well. He's obviously taken. He's Red Guardian and Black Widow. My second option, I was like, Vin Diesel. Wait, no, he's Groot. <laughs> but he is the voice, so it's still possible. That is true. But I think John Cena could do it as well. Good, yeah. Um, I But I'm, I'm more open-minded to kind of whoever they cast as that. But I do kind of have strong opinions on who I think should play Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, and Human Torch. Dude, you're right, though. But the, you're, you're spot on about the chemistry because Krasinski and Blunt, Obviously, as a married couple, great. Um, obviously, acted together, um, and they do an excellent job at that. Um, as you can obviously see in like A Quiet Place, they blew it up. And the same has to go with Human Torch and The Thing, because those two banter at each other, almost kind of like brother and sister. Like, I mean, brothers, really, but like right. those two have to be compatible as well to kind of go that way. So it's almost like they got to get two pairs um, that work really, that can work really well together. So that actually is a. A solid one, yeah. All those ones you said as Human Torch, dude, I'm all about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Just get a good person to counter them, and that would be perfect. Yeah, totally. Um, So one of the ways that I'm kind of convinced is the way that they are going to tie in Fantastic Four into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is through Ant-Man. And there's a couple of ways I think they could do it. And there's two. So, like, a couple, obviously. (laughs) Um, So um, first way being, I think it's possible that these characters could have existed at the same time as the original Ant-Man, Hank Pym, back in, like, I guess it was the um, the 60s or 70s or whatever. I think it's possible they could have existed then because Ant-Man does have a lot of correlation with Fantastic Four in the comics. So maybe there's some time travel thing there where they go get them and they come back, and that would explain why they haven't been around. However, people would probably know about them. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Maybe, maybe not. If they did, that's kind of a plot hole. So what I lean towards is that I think there is going to be a connection with Ant-Man for sure, whether that's Ant-Man, some connection from Ant-Man and the Wasp or a future Ant-Man movie. I think that when you look at the scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp and they're inside the quantum realm when they when they are rescuing Janet Van Dyne from the quantum realm and you kind of see when she gets in that quantum realm spacecraft, whatever, with Hank Pym and they get in that they get in the spaceship and they take off. Very briefly, you see in like this like dome bubble looking thing, a city inside of the quantum realm. And so I'm like, that's got to be where Janet Van Dyne was. Ah. And if that was, maybe that's where the Fantastic Four are. 
because she's, you know, she got to learn a lot yes. down there. And there's been a lot of talk about them connecting Fantastic Four with Ant-Man 3. And there's obviously going to be Quantum Realm talk. So if they go back into the Quantum Realm, and I don't think they're going to throw that city in there and not ever explain it ever again. If they go back, maybe that's where you get Fantastic Four. I don't know. Dude, you make, that's a, that's, that's a lot of, I mean, you make a good point with like, there would be a massive plot hole if they, if they were already there, but they hadn't been introduced. Um, so like you said, like that would be hard for them because the Fantastic Four are one of those rare groups of people that everybody knows their identity already. And they live in the Baxter building. Right. And the Baxter building is so like reinforced. So there's no way that anybody wouldn't know. They'd be a part of history. Exactly. So everybody would, sh- should have already known who they were. So either you're right. They were in that quantum realm or their uh, little galactic space voyage that got them their abilities was like extended longer than you know they thought. I mean, that's another way they can do it too. Is put them out in space and leave them there. But dude, that's a good, that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they could easily tie Ant Man and the Wasp with Fantastic Four. It could also just be that Fantastic Four is introduced in their own way. Yeah, and they're just brought in regularly. So maybe, maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much. But I'm, I'm a, we're, you know, you and I are both geeks about this stuff. So obviously, we're going to come up with crazy yeah. stuff. But, uh, but yeah, there are some interesting things that could happen with uh, Fantastic Four. I'm curious to see if they bring in Doctor Doom or not. Maybe even Kang. Yeah, dude, I feel like Doom is a huge part of them, and he, and like. He may not be a massive villain, but the guy is a mastermind with all kinds of manipulation, and he always ends up with some type of sweet power. Yeah. But, dude, Fantastic Four is a, is a branch avenue for so many different possibilities that, like, that's awesome. Which makes me think that that building that they were building in Spider-Man was the Baxter building, um, more so than Oscorp. I Although, agree. See, that's it's crazy though. Like Oscorp is be, would be great, but I feel like Oscorp Norman Osborn is a little bit more uh, self centered. That he would build his own building. He wouldn't want to take over another building. Yeah, I feel like the Baxter building would be like, oh, we'll just take Avengers Tower and we'll just kind of revamp it. I feel like that could be a good, easy setup for that too. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that you know there's going to be some tie-ins with other um, you know other characters like you know like Spider Man or ant-man or whatever i'm looking forward to seeing what villain they pick there's a lot of connections with kang and kind of what that city could be inside of the the quantum realm dude especially with the like like you said like even with multiverse of madness kang would be an incredible one because of his time traveling and his conquering of groups like you know from time beginning to time then like it's that would be an awesome villain. I don't think he'd be necessarily the next big bad, but he'd be like a perfect setup. I think he'd be like a better version of yes, Ultron yes. or something like that. But Doctor Doom, I feel like could be like more like the new Loki yep. or something like that. So I, I'm I'm just really curious because Fantastic Four is a team of superheroes that I've been a big fan of since I was really little. And I'm just, I want to see th- these characters done right. Yes. And I want to see an awesome Fantastic Four movie that is a great movie inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Dude, for real. That's awesome. Do you have do you have any final thoughts you'd like to say about Fantastic Four or anything else? No, man. Like you said, Fantastic Four just opens the way for so many different things. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen the com- read the comic book series of The Secret Wars or Secret Invasion, those are awesome. That might be a setup for a whole new... I mean, they don't have to do Avengers all the time. Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't have to keep doing Avengers movies, so they could do a different team-up of some kind. Um, Secret Wars would do that. Secret Invasion would do that. I'd just make it... Mix it up, and you know X-Men will probably be coming in there at some point, too, so like, oh, yeah. they're all over the place. Yeah. It's That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this was a lot of fun. I've had a, I've had a blast doing this episode. I'm always glad to have you on the show. Always, dude. So good. Uh, so where can people find you on social media? Yeah, man. I'm on Instagram, uh, Timo Audio, so you can find me on there. 
Um, I'm usually putting out music and stuff like that. As you know, I'm a music guy doing things like that. It's a lot of fun. I'm on Facebook. Tim Morgan, just find me on there. You can see it in uh, probably the description here as well. Yeah, I'll put it down there. But yeah, dude, love always love doing these podcasts. These are fun. This is good to to shoot the breeze and just talk about movies, man. They're so much fun. Just kind of help you relax. Yeah. And once again, dude, I, I mean, I've had a lot of fun. And thanks for joining on this episode. Not a problem. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, be sure to tune in for more episodes in this series. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to my podcast on the platform you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Stay safe out there, everybody. And once again, thank you for listening.